0: And this is the third teaching on this, so if, you, if you're here first thing this morning, first time you've been here this morning, this might, might get you a little lost, but I think just hang on and I'll show you what, what tongues is and isn't. This is a quote from Robert Anderson. He wrote, he wrote a book called Vision of the Disinherited, The Making of American Pentecostalism. This is what he said. Numerous other Pentecostal missionaries went abroad believing they had the miraculous ability to speak in the languages of those to whom they were sent. These guys like we've sent here, these guys went over to Brazil, they went over to Africa, and they believed that God was going to give them this gift of speaking in tongues, which is what is that gift of speaking in tongues? It's a bill speak speaking another language. It's to be somebody who's an English like me and be able to speak in Spanish even though I've never learned Spanish. And God gives to the Holy Ghost, gives me that ability. Well, they went over as missionaries believing God was going to give them that ability when they got over there. And guess what happened? They didn't get that ability. These Pentecostal claims were all well known at the time. S.C. Todd of the Bible Missionary Society investigated 18, 18, Pentecostals who went to Japan, China, and India expecting, this is the quote, expecting to preach to the natives in those countries in their own tongue and found that by their own admission in no single instance had they been able to do so. So when they got over there, they they weren't given this gift to speak in tongues like we know the Bible teaches. They had a problem there. As these and other missionaries returned in disappointment and failure, Pentecostals were compelled to rethink their original view of speaking in tongues. So what happened there? Well, they got over there like our missionaries did. And they got over there and they realized, you know what? God's not giving me this miraculous ability to speak in that other language. What do they have to do? Just like all those missionaries you see on that wall, you know what they had to do? They had to learn the language. <laughs> okay. Now God can, and at the beginning of the turn of the centuries, whenever Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit first fell, He was given that gift. And you saw a gift was allowed Peter to get up and to preach to everybody at that time. And everybody could hear him in their own language, Acts chapter 2. And they went into the all the known world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the gift of tongues was for. Remember, we've studied all that together. So what happened there? They come back. So the Pentecostals, if with their belief in all this, what do they start doing? They start changing what they believe about it. And they come up to, with this idea of it being a prayer language. Has anybody heard that? They believe you got, it's a prayer language. In other words, speaking in tongues is something, it's a prayer language that you do between you and God, and only you and God understand it. It's, it's a prayer language. Now look at Romans chapter 8. You're there. Now look all the way down at verse 26. This is where they get one of the ideas. There's two verses they use to prove of a prayer language. So they changed the speaking in tongues into a prayer language. Now my wife has been with this... Uh, with this group of ladies that pray together. And in this group of ladies that pray together, this one lady is saying, Please pray for my, my daughter. She, or I think it's her daughter. She said, She doesn't have a prayer language and she wants to have a prayer language so bad. And God hadn't given her this prayer language yet. Please pray that my daughter will get this prayer language. She said, Because me and my husband have it, but my daughter doesn't have it and she wants it so bad. See? And what happens is when you talk to these Christians, they give this, they, they, what well, they don't even realize they're doing it, but they, look how special I am. See, I have something you don't. I pray to God in this special prayer language. And they put this on other Christians, and Christians start thinking, oh, I've got to have this too. And when they don't get it, they feel like they're not as good of Christians as these other Christians that have their own special, special prayer language. And this is one of the verses they use to try to say they have a special prayer language to God. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Talking about the Holy Spirit. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Amen? We don't know what we should pray for. A lot of times we pray for something when we're praying to God, and we don't even realize how we should pray it. Sometimes we're praying the total opposite of what God's will is. Amen? So the Holy Spirit, what does He do? Look at this. But the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit itself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So while we're praying to God, the Holy Spirit in us is cleaning up our prayer and making it right. If you have been a young Christian, you ever got down on your knees and say, Oh God, please give me a million dollars. I could do so much for you with a million dollars. You know what the Holy Spirit does with that prayer? It takes a prayer up and says, Now don't listen to him, Father. He's an idiot. He'll take that money and he'll run off to Vegas and we'll never see him again. Give him what he needs and then he'll be okay. That's how the Holy Spirit cleans out some of those uh, stupid prayers we pray up. Sometimes it's God's will for people to get hurt. Sometimes it's God's will for people to have infirmities come in their life. And God uses that for His glory and His honor. Okay. Now we can't understand God's will. But notice in the end of verse 26, something very important about this. What's it say at the end of verse 26? He's making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you read that? It's saying there's groanings which cannot be uttered. This is something that you can't utter it. So to say, I have this special prayer language that when I get down, I go, whatever you're saying, that's nonsense. If that's, ex- if that's actually what you're talking about here in verse 26, it says here in the Bible, which I'm a Bible believer, Amen. it should not be uttered. Okay, now they're going to tell you, now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They're going to tell you, you've got to have speaking in tongues. You, be able to, you must be able to speak in tongues or you don't have the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And some people will go so far as to say, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Ghost. That's ridiculous. Now, I've already proved to you that you've got to have the Holy Ghost or you're not saved. So you might be sitting out there and you might say, oh, no. I have never spoken tongues, so therefore maybe I'm not saved. Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not saved because I've never spoken an unknown tongue or in a, some kind of tongue what they're talking about. I've never spoken that. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 8. Let's start at verse 8. Here's a list of the gifts that God will give you, okay? Look at verse 8. Paul's giving us a list of the gifts that the Holy Spirit will give you. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. You see what Paul is pointing out? Some of them got different gifts. They don't all have the same gift, okay? You seeing this? Okay, it's real obvious, Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues. Diverse, different, different kinds of tongues. What is a tongue? A tongue is a language. So some people are given a gift of different languages. And another, the interpretation of tongues or the interpretation of all these different languages. See, we don't all have the same gifts. The Holy Spirit's giving it out to who he thinks needs it, when he needs it, what time he needs it. We don't all get the same gifts. Skip down to verse twenty-seven. Verse twenty-seven. We're all part of the body of Christ, guys. But we can't all be the head. We can't all be the fingers. We can't all. But but the fingers are important. The toes are important. Every part of your body is important. And Paul talks about that through this chapter. But skip down to verse twenty-seven. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Particular members, meaning there's different members in this body. We're all important, though. Amen. Verse twenty-eight. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. He, gets, he lists that last, okay? Do You see how he lists that last? The tongues is last of all these different gifts. Now listen to me. Look at verse 29. Are all apostles? What's the answer to that question? No. No or all prophets, or all teachers, or no. all workers of miracles? No. no. Look at verse 30. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. So the implied answer to that question is obviously no. So when somebody says you have to have the holy in, in initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, which is speaking in tongues, when somebody says you have to be able to speak in tongues, they're lying to you. They don't know their Bible. They're trying to put something on you that's not right. Now, guys, I get stirred up about this because they mess up a lot of Christians with this nonsense, and they get Christians all kinds of befuddled. And they do, they get Christians like I like I've told you the story. My friend was so desperate to speak in tongues, he was practicing it. He was practicing it. He was practicing it, and he was doing all this practicing to try to speak in tongues. Listen, if God gives you a gift, you don't have to practice it. God gives it to you and you have it, man. You don't, you don't have to practice that. It's a gift given to you. So God has given up different Christians, different abilities. Guys, I really believe this. In the day we live in today, there's Christians, I believe, that really have the gift of healing. Amen. I really believe that they have a special access to God and get some healing done. I've seen them. I've seen them in action. I've seen I'm not talking about getting in a line and somebody slapping somebody in the head and them falling down and putting on a show. I'm talking about this brother or sister can pray and God moves. I've seen that. And I've seen other people that pray and pray and pray and God don't move. They just don't have the gift. And they think they have the gift, but they don't have the gift. And that's okay. That's all right. I've seen people think they have a gift of teaching and they can't teach a lick. Seen some people think they have the gift of preaching. Can't preach a lick. That's all right. That's nothing wrong with that. God gives different people different gifts. Y'all have seen me get up here and try to sing. God didn't give Brother Kegan the gift of singing. <laughs> I'd like to try, but God didn't give me that gift. But you know it's obvious. I've seen guys get up here that aren't very good singers, amen. And they get up here to sing, and what happens? The Holy Spirit goes. Shoo- starts moving in here and you get the jill bumps and you're like, woo! And the Holy Spirit's using him as he's singing out the praises of God. And he's not even an amazing singer. And you know what I think when I'm sitting right there? I think, this brother or sister has the gift of singing. It don't have nothing to do with the ability or quality. It's a gift. It comes from God. Okay, so you know when somebody comes up to you and says, do you have the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, which is speaking in tongues? You can say, ah, get out of here. Amen. You don't know your Bible. Amen. And you say, well, that's kind of rude, Brother Keegan. You've got to be rude to these guys. They're spreading a lie. All right, now that I've got everybody kind of stirred up, look at chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's finish off here. So they're going to use Romans chapter 8 and say, well, i got this special prayer language. I can speak to God, and you can't. I have this special language that me and God only understand. Well, you know what? When I speak to God, God hears me too. He does, amen? amen. Don't, you know, God listens to me just the way I speak to him. If I'm on a tractor, if I'm on the back of a work truck, or if I'm in, on my knees in a prayer closet, when I speak out to God, God hears me. He's God. Amen. You know, that's some special prayer language. And that's nonsense. You won't find that anywhere in the Bible, see? Yeah. And they're taking these verses and they try to twist them, like Romans chapter 8, and they're going to take this verse right here in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, turn to 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 1, and what we're going to show you is Paul has wrote a whole chapter speaking about tongues, And I want to close out this teaching talking about this whole chapter. Paul's talking about speaking in tongues. And let's see, let's break this down and see what Paul has to say. Because he definitely gives you some rules and guidelines for speaking in tongues. Verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So prophesying is one of the best gifts you can have. Why? Because prophesying preaches Jesus Christ and gets people saved. That's why prophesying is so important. You were saved because somebody preached Jesus Christ to you. Okay, we got to get that. Prop sign is preaching. Verse 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, that's an unknown language, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understand him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now this verse 2 is where they get the idea of another, another verse for prayer language. So let's stop here and let's break this down real quick. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, that's a, what we've, we've established what is a tongue, guys. Language. Okay, it's real obvious. It's not some kind of special weird thing. It's just a language. Speaketh not to men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. When you stand up and you speak in an unknown tongue, which is an unknown language, nobody understands what you're saying. Who understands you? God. Because he's God. He can understand anything that's going on. For no man understandeth him, how be it? Look, in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. That Spirit is not the Holy Spirit. See that lower case S? That's the Spirit of man. There's a spirit of man in you. Keep your finger here and turn back to 1 Corinthians 2:11, because we've got to get this verse, or you're not going to understand the rest of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. See, all this is in the same book. It's all in 1 Corinthians. This isn't hard. This is some kind of crazy Bible study that nobody's going get, to get or understand. It's real plain. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. For "What man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him?" What did he just say there? Let's read it again. For what man, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11, what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? You got a spirit in you and nobody knows what's in you but you. See, you got your spirit. You got a spirit. Everybody in this room's got a spirit in them and you only you know what's in your spirit. The spirit is what controls you, what moves you. Gets you excited, okay? It's what makes you alive. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but what? But the spirit, capital S, of God. So there's two different spirits in that verse there's a spirit of man and there's a spirit of God. So when you see and you want to see the spirit of man go to a football game. Here comes the guys and the bands out there. And the crowd jumps up and the crowds, yay! Somebody scores a touchdown. Yay! What's happening there? That's the spirit of man moving. I've been at football games when the crowd goes crazy and the goosebumps go whoop right down my arms. Why do I get goosebumps? Because I can feel the spirit of man moving. People the spirit of man is getting excited. Somebody scored a touchdown, but that's not the Spirit of God, okay? That's not necessarily evil, guys. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying there's the difference. That's not God getting excited about somebody scoring a touchdown. You think God cares about somebody scoring a touchdown? he That's the Spirit of man moving in man, okay? Back to 1 Corinthians 14. So, in the end of verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, it says, Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So, your spirit is speaking something that is a mystery to everybody. Of course, it's not a mystery to God. It's a mystery to everybody. It's your spirit, lowercase s, the spirit of man. We, we just had last week that brother come in here from Brazil, and he had the interpreter, amen? If that interpreter was not here, none of us in here would have understood what he was saying, right? Okay, this is a perfect time to be teaching on this. Verse 3, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Why? Because we understand what he's saying. He's prophesying, and it's not in an unknown tongue or an unknown language. It's in a language we all understand. So when he's prophesying, it's to edification, to exhortation, and comfort. Verse 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue or unknown language edifieth himself. But he that prophesies edifieth the church. When you're speaking in an unknown tongue, you're the only one that understands what you're saying. See how easy this is? This is not some kind of mystical, spiritual thing. This is very easy. But people get this stuff, and they go crazy with it. Look at verse 5. I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. If you prophesied. Instead of everybody speaking with tongues, I wish you would prophesy. See, that's what he's saying there. He's, the, he's basically saying the total opposite of what they tell you. You've got to have the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, which is speaking in tongues. Paul's saying, I wish you all prophesied. Why would he say something like that? Look at verse five. I would tell that I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied why? For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. It's a lot greater if somebody gets up and preaches something you can understand than somebody getting up here preaching something in an unknown tongue that you don't understand. Unless, amen, you got somebody like we had last week that's up here interpreting for the guy from Brazil that's speaking Portuguese that you don't understand. Then we got some edifying, amen. Amen. All right, pretty obvious, pretty easy. This isn't something that a little kid can understand this stuff. Verse 6, now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, this is different languages, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophecy or by doctrine? you got to understand what he's saying, or you're not getting anything. Verse 7, And even things without life, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. See, you're speaking in the air when you're speaking through an unknown tongue, and nobody's there to interpret. Nobody knows what the guy's saying. Verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh the barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. We won't understand each other if I don't understand what he's saying. There's all kinds of voices, all kinds of languages, but unless he says something that I understand, I'm not going to get it. I mean, it's, this is real easy. Real, real easy. Verse 12, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. So these Corinthians, that really wanted a gift. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. He said, instead of being so caught up in trying to get these gifts, and you're also zealous to get these gifts. Oh, I've got to have a gift. i got to have a gift. He goes, why don't you focus on trying to do something to edify the church? Do something to make the church a better place. Verse 13, wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. You need to be you need to have an interpretation of that unknown language. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. See that lowercase? My spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Real easy to understand what he's saying. He's saying, My spirit prayeth. Other words, what's in man is praying. That's what's praying. My spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Nobody's understanding what I'm saying. If if nobody's understanding what somebody's saying, then it's unfruitful. You see how easy this is to understand? It's real easy. Continue reading. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, cap, lowercase s, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. He goes, I'm going to speak, and I'm going to sing with words you understand. In the Spirit you understand. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, verse 16, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at, the, at thy giving of thanks? Seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. What You understand what he's saying? He said, what if somebody stands up and they're speaking in this unknown tongue and you're sitting out there and you don't understand what he's saying? How are you going to say amen? Yeah. Amen means simply, so be it. Yeah. I agree, so be it. So if somebody's speaking up and they're going, la, 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 speaking in Portuguese, you're going, that guy might be cussing somebody. I don't know what he's doing. How am I going to say amen? But if he gets up here and he says Says some word in, It says something in Portuguese, and like we had last week, Brother David said, he said, Jesus Christ will save your soul. Then in the back, what did you hear Brother Joker say? Amen. amen. Why did Brother Joker say amen? Because he understood what this brother right here was saying, because his brother's interpreting that unknown tongue to him. But if he wasn't here, we'd be just staring at him like, like owls with big old eyes. What's he saying? It's real simple. Verse 17, For thou verily giveth thanks well, but the other is not edified. Hey, you understand what you're praying, but the other people in church are not edified. They don't understand what you're saying. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all. He speaks with more of those unknown languages. But verse 19, Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He said, I'd rather speak five words. Jesus Christ will save your soul. I'd rather speak those five words than to speak 10,000 words and y'all not understand the thing I'm saying. Hey Amen. this is real simple. Real, real simple, okay? Verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. You know what he just said? Grow up. <laughs> That's what he said. Brethren, be not children in understanding. You need to grow up and stop acting like a little kid. Be children in malice, Paul says. But not in understanding, be men. Grow up. Verse 21. And the law it is written, With men of other tongues or languages and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. We went through this verse, remember? There's a prophecy that there's going to be other languages. Verse 22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. They're a sign what? Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Tongues is a sign for them that believe not. Remember, we studied all that. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So tongues was there so the gospel of Jesus Christ could be preached to all the known languages of the world. Prophesying is there for me and you to help us to get stronger in the Lord. That's what preaching's there for. That's what those verses are telling you. Verse 23, If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues... And they come in, those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? Yeah, they will say you're mad. Mm-hmm. Come into this church and there's a bunch of people speaking all these unknown languages. People say, what are they doing? They're just babbling along. That's exactly what people tell me and I've experienced when I go into these charismatic churches. You go in there and these people standing up. So le, lo, le, lo, le, lo, and there's people standing up. What are they doing? These people are crazy. That's exactly why you think they're crazy. <laughs> Amen. All right, I don't care if you agree with me or not. But if all prophecy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So when he's hearing prophesying, when he's hearing preaching, it convicts him. He hears the God's truth, and he gets down on his knees, and he says, I need to accept Jesus Christ. That's what those verses are talking about. Verse 26, how is it then, brethren? Okay, now here's the rules. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. What is he saying? He says, you need to do all things in orderly fashion. Look at verse 27. any man speaking an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. Here's the rules that nobody follows in a charismatic church. Nobody follows this stuff. And here's the rules to let you know that you, if you're doing it right. Now, if you've gotten this far in this teaching, and you've been listening to me, and you believe that speaking in tongues is a spiritual language, you probably have already turned me off, amen. <laughs> but if you've gotten this far and listen to me, listen to me. Just listen enough of this truth of the Word of God. If you believe now that you can speak in a tongue, and it is a spiritual language, you at least have to agree with me when it comes to the Word of God, what it says about what you're supposed to do about it. Amen. Okay, now let's get into that. This is what it says you should do. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. You've got to go one at a time. It can only be three. Only at the most three. And you've got to have an interpreter there. You can't just stand up and say, shall I tie and tie, bow tie. You can't do that unless there's an interpreter to say what you said. You got to do it one at a time, and you got to do it only by three. Only by the, at the most, three people are allowed to do this. You can't have a service where everybody's just standing up, oh, and doing all this crazy stuff. God says it don't work that way. No. Amen. That's what he says. I'm about to tell you this. This is not Paul writing this, guys. I know you think this is written by Paul. I'm about to show you this is not written by Paul. This is written by God. I'm about to show you this. Paul's about to tell you that's who said this. Look at verse 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, if there's nobody there to interpret your unknown language that God's given you a gift to speak in, keep your mouth shut. Amen. That's what he says. Amen. I know I'm being kind of strong about this, but you go into these churches and you try to bring somebody to Jesus Christ, they go in and they see this st- crazy stuff going on, they're like, what's going on in here? Verse 29, let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge shouldn't be about four or five people getting up preaching. A couple of people, two or three. That's what we did at Jubilee, amen? Verse 30, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Do this orderly. You don't just speak out in church. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. That's verse 31. See, one by one. One by one. It's an order. It's an orderly thing. It's not just everybody standing up, doing what they want to do, when they want to do it. This is all in order. Okay, amen? That's the way it should be done. God's not the author of confusion. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Now we're going back to the spirit of man. So the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What does that mean? You've got a spirit in you. And guys, you can hold your mouth shut. You've got a spirit in you that can control you. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, you can control when you're going to speak out. You can't just stand up and say, somebody's up here preaching, stand up and say, oh, God's giving me a revelation. Oh, la, 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 la. He said, no, you, you got a spirit in you that can keep your mouth shut. Amen. Do it in order, one or two or three at the most. See how this is going? That's why we do the way we do church, because it would be a confusing mess. All right, verse 33, for God, for God is not the author of confusion. Amen. Amen. Okay, this place is not a place of confusion. God's orderly. God does things in order, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So when you go into a true church of God where the Holy Spirit's really moving, things are in order, things are done orderly, things are done in a fashion that's that's systematic, that doesn't seem like it's all confusion, that's a church of God where the Holy Spirit's moving, guys. Verse 34, here it is, guys. All y'all ladies, y'all listen up. Let your women keep silence in the churches. What's the context of those verses? Y'all been reading this whole chapter with me. This is called context. This is called true Bible doctrine. This is called learning your Bible the way you're supposed to learn it. What's the context of that verse right there? Tongues and prophesying, amen? Amen. So when it comes to preaching, and when it comes to speaking in tongues, the women are supposed to keep their mouths shut. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say this. Don't get mad at Brother Kinnon. Verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches. It's okay for a woman to give a, come up and give a testimony. Amen. Amen. It's okay for a woman to speak in church. You want to give a prayer request, you want to speak in church. But the context of a woman keeping silent here is what? Is when it comes to prophesying in tongues. Y'all got the context? For a woman to get up here and say, I want to give a testimony about Jesus Christ. Amen. When a woman wants to get up here and she wants to sing to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. She wants to stand up and say, I just want to tell the church that the Lord's been good to me. And when we're giving testimonies, amen. But a woman shouldn't come up here and be prophesying, and a woman shouldn't be coming up here speaking in tongues. I'm saying that because that's what that book says in your lap. Amen. Can you imagine them following these rules? When I've been in a charismatic church, a Pentecostal church, when there's been a bunch of people doing this charlatan ta tie, going crazy, 99 times out of 100 it's some old lady sitting in the back. And I'm thinking, woman, will you follow the Bible and shut your mouth? (laughs) It's the women, amen. Amen. The women would follow the word of God. The tongue movement would have died out 60 years ago. And the men can't keep their women under control. And they're letting it, because if my wife was standing up and doing something foolish like that, I'd say, sit down, woman, you're embarrassing me. That's what I would do. Now, I might not get supper for a couple of weeks, but that's what I'd do. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. What's the context, guys? Prophesying in tongues. You see, you get that? Now, I know some of y'all have had that put on, y'all, but that has anything to do with anything else in the church. But that's what God feels about it. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women... To speak in the church. Boy, well, you know, I didn't come into your house and write this stuff in your Bible when you weren't looking. <laughs> Verse 36, what? I love Paul. Look what he says, what? Came the word of God out from you? Or came it out into you only? He knows people are not going to like this thing. He knows it. That's why he says What? What? Came the word of God out from you? Or came it up from you only? Listen to what he says in verse 37. If any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge, listen, acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Amen. He says, I'm not writing this. God gave me this to give to you. These are the commandments of the Lord. This ain't just Paul's idea. There's places where Paul says, this is what I believe. And we know it to be scripture anyway. But Paul says, no, this is the commandments of the Lord. 38, look at this. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. If you're going to be stupid, stay stupid. This is what he said. If you're going to be stupid, stay stupid. Don't you love the Word of God? People say, I need a Bible that I can understand in my own language. Well, it's pretty obvious right there. If you're going to be ignorant, be ignorant. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at indiangapbaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.